Is there anyone here this morning who's in need of a breakthrough? One or two. Okay, have I come to the right place? Is this the place where the people need the breakthroughs? Okay, financial breakthroughs? Breakthroughs in your families? Breakthrough in your marriages? You can keep raising your hands. I love it. Woohoo! Hallelujah. Okay, I'm glad I found the right place this morning. Because I believe that if you find yourself in a place where, where you're needing a breakthrough this morning, and there's a few things that I think we need to understand about the season that we're actually in. And then I'd like to, I'd like to give us a few, a few tips, a few tools, even a few weapons um, to really be able to partner with God in fighting for the breakthrough that is already ours in Jesus' name. Okay. Does that sound good? Can we do that this morning? Okay. So last week, um, Andre introduced the, the message of of the God of the Breakthrough to us. Who was here last week? Okay, not too many. Please do yourself a favor. Go to showfastsermons.org forward slash East London and get that message. Um, it really lays the foundation for, for what we're going to speak on for the next few weeks. I'm here this morning, obviously. Um, this evening, Mark Doolin is, is preaching his first sermon. Um, so that'll be great. Uh, Mark has, has such a heart for the Word uh, and he really just he loves to, to learn uh, and I, I actually had the privilege of being with him this week and, and kind of going through his message. And it's really great. He's got a great message to share. So please do come along tonight, uh, 5 o'clock here, uh, and, and come and listen to him and support him. And then next weekend, um, Sonica will, will continue with the message. Um, but just, I'm not going not to recap uh, Andre's whole sermon, but one of the crux of, uh, the crux of his message for me was... Um, he basically asked the question, what kind of people get the breakthrough? Um, what, is, what is the caliber or what are, the, what are the, the characteristics of the people who get the breakthrough? Is it the people who, who are standing on the side um, very passively, not, not really doing a lot? Um, is it the people who are on the fence, sort of half in the world, half, half here in church, half committed to, to God? Or is it those who are wholeheartedly committed and sold out for Jesus? It's those people. And one such person um, is David, and Andre spoke about, about the scripture. It was his key scripture from 1 Chronicles 14. <clears throat> and it speaks of David uh, heading out into battle against the Philistine armies who were coming for him when they heard that he had been anointed as the king of Israel. So he goes out, but, but before he does that, he, um, he asks God, he said, is, is this a fight that I should be fighting? Is this a battle that I'm going to win. Are you going to deliver the Philistines into my hands? And, and I love that. That's, um, yeah, that's really amazing for me that, that David consults God, is this actually your will for me? Is this part of your plan for me? Are you going to deliver, deliver these enemies into my hands? Um, and he goes up and the Lord confirms it. He says, I'll, I'll do that. And they go up to a place that, that David names Baal Perazim, which means God of, of, the Lord of breaking through. And there he has um, victory over the Philistines. There he gets his breakthrough. And it's right here where I want to kind of jump in, right on, on the battlefield, just a little bit before, before the actual breakthrough. And I want to discuss the term breakthrough. Where does it come from? What is its origins? And the concept of, of breakthrough is actually, it's a military term. Sorry, I might need to do that often. <clears throat> My throat is already getting pretty scratchy. Uh, it's a military term, and, and what it means is basically an invading army 
We'll come through to, uh, to a place, we'll attack a, an enemy army, and when, he, when they can significantly weaken them to the point of collapse, that's when a breakthrough occurs, and the army comes through and claims that territory, the enemy territory. Okay, so one army comes, they attack, they weaken the, the enemy army, it collapses and they come through, they get a breakthrough when they come and they take over that, that territory. Okay, now a breakthrough in a war only really matters if that location, that territory is a strategic location. Okay, so let me, let me illustrate this for you. I'm, I'm coming down. Okay, I think I'm going to pick on this guy over here. King, King Clintonaya and the land of the Dukokats. Okay, so I come through as an army, as a strong army, and I come through to, to Clinton because he hasn't eaten his jungle oats this morning. I defeat him, knock him down, come through, there's a breakthrough, there's a collapse, and I take over his land. Get off your chair, please, servant. You can lie on the floor, or you can even, I'll even let you sit on another chair. Okay, there's a good man. Okay, I have conquered this piece of territory. This is my land. Okay, do you think that this is a strategic location? If this was a battlefield, if you can scale it really small, and this is a, is a whole land that I've, I've just conquered, do you think this is a strategic location? Yes? No? No. Okay. The guys know their war stuff. Played some strategy games. Okay. I can be attacked from any side here. Strategically, as a, as a, as a war, and from a, just a, a natural war point of view, this is not a good place to be. Okay? I can be attacked from any one of you. You're all kings right here in your kingdoms. You can take me down very easily. I can't see where you're coming from. This is not a good place to be. Okay. You may be restored to your throne. Now, if I look around, I see up there Mount Balcony and the land of the Balkanites. If I were to go there, bring my armies and start there in the stairs and, and work my way up, I know you guys would come against me. It would be one hell of a fight. I see, I see the Onions boys up there in the shadows. Yes, Steve's there. And the Onions boys, they're growing into monsters. It's going to be a fight for me. There's going to be a lot of opposition if I try and take over that land. But if I do it, is that a strategic location? Yes. Because from there, I can see all you suckers coming. can pummel you with, with um, those things, arrows. And I can fortify one small place over there that you can't get up. Okay, but it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a real war for me to get through and to take that land and that strategic land. Okay. Now, what the, sa the same for terrestrial war or, or war here on earth applies to spiritual war. Okay, so that means that if, if I come, if I'm an invading army, and I come, sorry, let me, I'm just, I just want to go back uh, before we get to, to the spiritual connection. What we know about, how we know the location is strategic is because there is a mass of opposition forces in that area. 
Okay. A, a skilled general of an enemy army will know that he needs to put a lot of his resources into a certain place in order to stop people invading through. Okay. So a key is that a, strate a strategic... Yes, I'm really thinking over that word. A strategic location will always be armed with, with, with a lot of force. And any army who comes against it can expect a really big fight when they get there. Okay, so this is true for spiritual warfare, as I said, as it is for terrestrial warfare. And the moment that we start to pray for a breakthrough in a certain area of our life, when we, when we start to pray for our finances um, or for our family or for, for our job, anything like that, when we start to pray for a colleague or, or a family member we want to be saved, when we take up that, that mantle, essentially what we're doing is blowing a shofar in the spiritual and declaring a war on territory, on enemy territory. Okay, you with me? Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, it's not on the screen, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we're going to go to Daniel, Daniel 10 now, and we're going to look together at, at what happens to get a better idea of actually what's going on in the Spirit when we start to seek for the breakthrough, when we start to pray and earnestly seek God for a breakthrough in our lives. Let's read. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what, what it is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for the days, for 21 days, for a breakthrough in, in, in understanding uh, some of the visions he had received and the revelations he had received. And we see here that an angelic body comes to him and says, dude, I've been trying to get to you for like 21 days, but I've been detained. I've been withheld by the prince of Persia, that is, that is Satan himself. And, um, and Mark, uh, Michael had to come and rescue me from, from that and, and, and then come and deliver the message to you because I was being held by, the, by Satan, by the prince of darkness. So what we can see from, what we can take away from, from this te text is that there's a lot more going on than, than we actually realize. It's not, all, it's not all peaceful up there. Because Daniel was seeking for that breakthrough and Satan knew it, he knew that if he got the breakthrough, that would be a, a significant strategic breakthrough. He didn't, want, he, he didn't want it to happen. So he detained the angels who fought on his behalf and, fight, and fought to get that message through to come and bring him the breakthrough. He did everything in his power. He, he, he amassed a lot of enemy forces in that area so that, that strategic location would not be taken. And it's a consistent pattern throughout the Bible. Every significant move of God comes with increasing opposition before there is a breakthrough. And we can understand it when we read a text like this because God is invading what Satan considers to be his own territory, what Satan considers to be his, his enemy, his, his right, his rightful territory. So I can say to you this morning that if you're not encountering opposition in the area that you are wanting breakthrough, it's likely that it's not a strategic position that you're going to be going into. And obviously the converse is true. 
If you're here this morning and you're going through hell, be encouraged because you're about to enter into a strategic position. So you've written in the natural. Amen. You can say amen. Expecting a oh, claps even. Goodness. <laughs> okay, but we must come expecting a fight. We must come expecting a fight if we if we're gonna if we're gonna get into if we're gonna get into this, if we're gonna seek God for breakthrough in our lives. Okay, we're up against a lot, but he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Okay, so be encouraged. I want to, my message this morning is, is really to encourage you and to equip you. So the season you're in, the season of breakthrough, is going to be one that is going to come with a lot of opposition. But don't give up. Okay. Okay, but encouragement, I don't think is going to be enough. Uh, I can stand here and encourage you till I'm blue in the face. People can speak into your lives. They can encourage you about, about a certain situation. But for every word of encouragement that comes... Satan is going to fire an arrow of doubt, an arrow of fear. You're going to get discouraged. So encouragement, while it's very good, fight for our breakthrough. Okay, we need to fight along that sounds like God, and that we need to do in both the natural and the spiritual realm. Okay, I think that sounds like a good idea. Something worth doing? Are you with me? Good. Okay. So number one, get yourself a promise from God. Okay, I want you to imagine that you're on the front line, you're in the bunker, in the trench there, and it's just, there's bombs going off a few meters from you, bullets are flying over your head, there's smoke everywhere, tankers are coming in, there's just soldiers everywhere you look, and, and the dude next to you is saying, don't worry, don't worry, it's good, it's good to be here, be encouraged, we're here. Okay, it's good, the breakthrough is coming. And you're just thinking, yeah, the breakthrough is coming, but so are like 100,000 other people. You peek your head over and you just see over the hills, as far as you can see, soldiers and, and, and people coming. Okay, encouragement definitely won't be enough in that situation. Gathers some of you and, you and some of the troops around, and he says, I'm going to tell you what the plan is. And he starts to draw in the sand, and he, and he puts an X down, and he says, we are here right now. He says... We're going to gather our things, and in a moment, we're going to move off to, to the right here, and we're going to go to position Y. And at that point, when that happens, that'll be a signal to the reinforcements. A thousand armor-plated tanks each from the east and the west are going to come through, and at the same time, another 500 F-15 fighter jets are going to come blazing through the sky and make this place look like the 4th of July. Okay, it's going to be fireworks everywhere, and at the end of it, not a single thing will be living, and the victory will be ours. Okay, sure. Okay, that sounds good now. Now I'm really encouraged. I think I can do this. Hey, let's do this. We can hold on. We can hold on for a little while. We can move to position Y. I can do this. I can push through because I know the situation. We need to get ourselves a promise from God. We need to get ourselves a plan might be a stupid question, but have you asked God what the plan is for your situation that you're seeking breakthrough? Have you done it? Have you asked God for a promise, a plan of what He wants to do? We can trust the promises of God. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that He should lie, or a son of man that He should change His mind. Has He said, and will He not do it? Sorry, and will He not do it? 
Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Time and time again, God has, God has proved himself throughout the Bible in, in giving promises and fulfilling those promises. Abraham had the promise of a son and the, and the inheritance of, uh, of a multitude, that he would be the father of many. And that promise, although it took, he, was, he was 100 years old and his wife 90, that was, you will get a better land. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. Joseph was promised the palace. And he ended up in the pit and then prison, but eventually he came through to the palace. It was a fight for him. It was a struggle for him. And finally, Jesus. Jesus went to the cross with a promise that he would, he would die and he would be raised again in three days, and he would ascend and, and sit at his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. And it happened. He went through what he went through, knowing that the promise of, of God was that he would be restored and, and, and placed in a, in a place of honor. 3,573. What's that? Anybody know what that number is? Speak up, Cheryl. Promises of God on the money. Don't be so shy. 3,500 pages in the, in the, in the average Bible. Bible. Roughly, on average, 1,200 pages in the, in the, in the average Bible. That's a good hit rate, eh? Three promises per page. If you spend just a, an evening reading a page, you, you can probably arm yourself with, with three promises of God. Ask Him to lead you into His Word. It's time for us to get back into His Word. With promises like that, with an amount of promises like that in His Word, it's worth probably taking a look at the Bible a little more often. Get in there, read through them, and let Him breathe on those promises. There's a promise in there for you and your situation, I can guarantee it. So what is it that you're seeking breakthrough from? Is it finances? There were hands raised for finances. Malachi 3, 10 verse 11, Bring all your tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that, will, that there will be not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that you will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Sorry, he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of the hosts. Still give to God what, what, what he gives to you, and, and he will, will he not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough for you to receive it? That's a good promise. What about physical healing? Some of you are trusting for physical healing? Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all, all your diseases. So many of us accept the, the gift of salvation so freely, and then we struggle when it comes to healing. Oh, Lord, you can't heal me. No. Salvation is yours, and so too is healing. Stand on that promise. You will be healed. Wisdom and guidance. If any of you, James 1 to 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You don't know what to do? Have you asked God? Have you asked him for wisdom? It will be given to you. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I will direct your paths. Trust in me. Lean not on your own understanding and acknowledge me in all your ways. There are conditions, of course, for these promises. But that's why I said, please listen to Andre's sermon. 
because we need to be committed and surrendered wholeheartedly to the Lord, and then these promises become available to us. What about a stubborn sin or constant temptation? Philippians 1 verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the end of the day, at the end, at the day of Christ Jesus. You will be set free. Endure it. Those are five. Five promises of God. There's now 3,000 something and something something left. Okay? Plenty for you to go and explore. We mustn't underestimate the authoritative power of the living Word of God in our lives. These promises that are in you are for us. They're alive. They're as alive today as they said this last week. God who leads you into battle will lead you through it. The God who leads you into it will lead you through it. Just get your promise. Get that promise. And I want to go one step further and say that get a promise for every area of your life. You might be struggling with, with one thing and not the other. Get a promise for that area too. So that when that thing comes up, you can deal with it very quickly. You can stand on a promise that you already have. You don't have to fret. Perhaps financially, things are, are smooth sailing for you. But what if you arrive at work tomorrow and, and you get noticed that the company's downscaling and they're retrenching or they're closing the East London office, but there's perhaps opportunities in a Joburg office? You're going to have a decision to make. You're going to have a reaction. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all, immediately that comes to your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. And you can deal with it. That comes your way, and you've got a promise. And you can deal with that kind of situation so much better. So get yourself a promise. If you intend on attacking a strategic location, which we... Okay, secondly, it's all very well. You're going to come up against resistance, and you're going to need a promise. Okay, secondly, it's all very well to, um, to, to just have a promise. Probably a few of us have actually got promises. We've received promises. If we have a Bible, we've got 3,573 promises. But it's not enough. We need to now shift our thinking... Second point, to align with those promises. Okay, how many of you know what slacklining is? Jeez, I expected Oh, Barry Swift, thanks, brother. Okay, slacklining is, um, it's basically like a, it's a tight rope, but it's a loose rope, a, a slack line uh, that's tied between trees and whatever, and you, you walk on it, and there's crazy videos on YouTube if you want to go look. They have these world series of slacklining where the guys treat that thing like a trampoline. It's unbelievable. Just actually YouTube it. Do it. Part of my message. Okay. Point number four. YouTube slacklining world champs. It's, it's really, really um, very impressive. I've done a little bit of it. There should be a picture there. Woohoo! Um, that's a very short one. I just strung it across my, my garden, but do not be fooled. This is probably the hardest thing you will ever do in your life. Slacklining is virtually impossible. The very first thing that happens when you jump on that line is you fall off. And the second thing, the third thing, and the 20th thing that you do is you fall off. It's virtually impossible to walk on that line. But it's because what happens is when we get on, we have a natural tendency to focus right here, right now. 
okay, next foot placement, try and get your balance, and I'm trying to find that it, the more, actually the harder it throws you off. You can end up in a position, a friend of mine, luckily not me, ended up pretty much horizontal before hitting the dirt because just trying to like stick onto that thing. But what's the key to slacklining? Or tightrope walking or balance beam. I'm sure some of you have done some sort of like balancing thing. Um, maybe walking a white line late at night. I hope you passed that test. Kidding, I hope you're never in that position. Okay, but the key to, if you were in, the, in that position, here's a tip. Don't look down. Don't try to control everything that's happening right here. The key is to look to the end of the line. Look to the point where it's anchored. And that's exactly what, what we need to do with our, with our promises. We need to shift our focus from the battle to the breakthrough. We need to shift it from the problem and look to where we're going. We need to stop looking, shift your focus from where you are right now, trying to control everything, to the victory at the end, the breakthrough, the promise of God. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. What that verse is saying is that there's nothing about your current situation, there's nothing about the battle that you're currently in that is going to aid you or, or help you in getting the breakthrough. So nothing that, you, nothing that you see with your eyes, nothing that you hear, nothing that is, that is in your heart can prepare you for what God has in store for you. So we need to shift our focus from this battle to the promise. If we lose sight of that, if we lose sight of that promise, all we will see is the problem that's around us. Plan. It's the same on the, on the battlefield. You know, without, when we're in the trenches there, without knowing that plan, we'll be completely paralyzed with fear. Looking over and seeing those troops coming, not knowing that, hang on, there's a, there's a fantastic backup plan here. Uh, you know, the reinforcements are coming in. That's great. I can stick it out. The guys can come. They can shoot as much as they want. I'm happy here. I'll stick it out because I know that there's a promise of breakthrough coming. Jesus would never have been able to put up, I don't believe, with the mockery and the abuse and the pain and suffering that he went through throughout his ministry and, um, and especially in his last days if he didn't have the promise of God of what was going to happen. We need to get that promise. In the end, you will go where God said you will go. You will have what God said you will have. You will do what God said you will do and you will become what God said you will become. But if we're focusing on the battle, and we keep getting knocked down, if I keep focusing on my feet like this, I'm thrown off that line. Because I'm trying to control this. I need to look ahead. Okay? I need to stand on the promise. Okay, I have conquered the slack line, by the way. Well, at least about that much of it. But um, guys like walk across mountains and buildings with no, that's creepy, but I've done it in the garden. Okay, and the key is focus ahead, focus on the promise, focus on the breakthrough. Okay. Okay, then, then finally, um, we need to act. We need to take action on this too. So we've got ourselves a promise. We're starting to shift our thinking and, and, and align it to that promise instead of the problem that we're currently going through. But now there's, there's action that is required. 
And I believe it's twofold. It's, we need to take action in the spiritual realm as well as in the natural realm. So in the spiritual, Andre spoke um, last week of when, you, when you're looking for the breakthrough, you need to up your spiritual game when you're not getting it. Here in prayer, on knees, we need to pray. We need to persevere in prayer. This is a call for, for a holy determination when we pray, to keep going. Some breakthroughs are going to come relatively easy, okay? Clint was a walkover. I mean, King Clint and I. <laughs> but I came against some opposition there with the, the Balkanites, eh? It was tough going. It's going to be tough going when, you, when you're going into strategic ground. We need to be prepared for that. We need to get onto our knees, pray constantly. What would have happened to, to Daniel if he, if he had stopped fasting after seven days, praying and fasting after seven days? He wouldn't have got that breakthrough. He wouldn't have got the message. His angel wouldn't be able to fight on his behalf. So we need to loose our angels through prayer. But sometimes prayer is not enough, and we need to fast. Daniel knew this. We need to get ourselves uncomfortable for a little while. And this is going to be a very comfortable fast. Uh, we've done like 21-day solid fasts, but um, this is one, one day. So you're going to fast for four days in a month. It's really, really easy. We're letting you off super longer for God. says fasting. I encourage you to do more if you, if you want to. But John Piper in his book, A Hunger for God, says fasting tests where the heart is. And when it reveals that the heart is with God and not the world, a mighty blow is struck against Satan. The question is, how desperate are you for your breakthrough? Are you willing to get a little bit uncomfortable? Are you willing to starve for a day? Hey, remember the breakthrough comes God to fast and pray. Remember the breakthrough comes to certain people, the people who are sold out for Jesus, committed, who, whose priorities are right, who God is at the top and, and, and not other things like food and simple, simple things like that. It's the Abrahams, the Davids, and the Josephs. And we have that, you know, we have our time of prayer, prayer and fasting coming up. I encourage you to use it. Use this time now to get a prop down on your knees, pray, fast for that thing. Fight with, with God for, for your breakthrough. And then the second, the second part is to act in the natural. Now this might sound a little bit contradicting to act in the natural uh, when, when the battle is won in the spirit. But I want to read this, this verse to you. Isaiah 54, verses 1 to 3. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud for you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen the cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will be spread abroad, abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will populate the desolate cities. That's a promise from God for a woman who was barren, no children. She couldn't give birth to children. And here comes a promise that says, Sing, O barren one. Praise. Praise like we did this morning. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud for you, have, you who have not been in labor. For your children, for the children of the desolate one, will be more than the children of her who is married. So your friend who's been popping babies out year after year, you are going to be more fruitful than that woman. 
And then this is, the, this is the key. There's a call to take action. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen the cords and strengthen your stakes. Essentially what, what, what God is saying here is make some room. That these people lived in tents. Okay, so this is a house. Enlarge the place of your dwelling. In, in layman's terms, build the baby room before the baby comes. Okay, stretch out your tent so that the promise can be fulfilled. Okay, so we need to take action in this. Get your, promise, get your, sorry, get your problem in your mind for me. Think of that barrenness. And take this promise that, that God is going is to take that barrenness away and give you a multitude. Now, what do you need to do? Picture your life post-breakthrough, okay? Picture that. What, what is going to look different? What's actually going to look different in your life? Okay, in, in this case, there'll be a baby, so we need a baby room and all that it goes with it. What do you need to prepare for the breakthrough? Okay, we need to take action in that. Some practical examples maybe... You're struggling to make the link, but Andre does, has, has done this very, very well. He's a, he's a very good example of, of acting prophetically um, from someone who used to be in our church when, when, when he went to the Western Cape. And the word was that he saw him going up a, he saw him as a truck going up a hill, and there were, were other trucks that came alongside him to help pull him up along there. You guys might have heard him, him, him share it. And shortly after that, Andre appointed elders in the church to come alongside him and to take, off the, to take the load and to help him to do what he's done. I don't, I don't think we would really be in this place if Andre was still doing everything, you know, that, that, that the elders and some of the leaders now, now do. He acted prophetically at, at the word of prophecy that he had received. And he does it too with, um, with our small groups and, and leaders. Both him and Sonic have received a word that a little one will become a thousand. You've probably heard him share this too more recently. A little one will become a thousand. So what is he doing? He's preparing for the thousand. We're not seeing it. There's 250 of us on a really good Sunday. But we're preparing for it. We're, we're constantly looking for leaders in our small groups. We're, we're trying to get more groups. We're trying to get more leaders involved, more people involved in ministry, so that when the thousand come, easy peasy. It's all set up. You need to act prophetically. See what, okay, what is your area of barrenness? What is it going to look like when you get the breakthrough? Act on that. We need to do something. You may be trusting God for, for a partner, for a life partner, to get married. What's your life going to look like when you're married? Very different to your life now, I'm sure. But one of the key things, perhaps, is that you need to stop being selfish. So start to work in your life in selfish areas. Start to serve others. Start to act prophetically by losing self, focusing on others. When you come into your marriage, firstly, you're going to be a super popular person. That actually might, might <laughs> increase your stakes of, of getting married because people can see the, the, you know, that fruit in your life of, of selflessness. But start to think, what can we do? What can we put into place? Currently have. If you're trusting for another 10,000 rand in your, in your budget, What's your life going to look like when you, when you get that 10,000? 
are you, is it going to stay all for you? Are you going to buy a jet ski? Or is the percentage that that's still going to add to your tithe? Are you still going to steward those finances well? Are you going to continue to tithe? Or will you now take your 10000 and another 5000 that you that you have that you, you're sort of scraping through or part of it goes to the church and now you're going to commit to to buying a house and so you've got 15000 rand for your, for your bond repayments? Okay, what are you going to do when that increase comes? It's all very well to ask God for that breakthrough. But is He really going to give it to you if, you, if you're not going to steward that kind of thing well? Or are you going to budget properly? Okay, we got some ideas of what we can do? Okay, we need to act prophetically in this. So more than having a promise, we need to keep it in sight, keep it in front of us, focus on the promise, and act. Put things in place. Start to pray. Start to fast. Seek God's face for what He wants. And start to act in a way like you have the breakthrough because it's yours. It's coming. The breakthrough is coming. And if you have a promise, you can endure what you're going through now. You can endure the opposition that you're currently going through.